Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for June 1st of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. We'll be discussing the Stanley Cup Final, Games 1 and 2, both of which went in the Penguins' favor. They have a 2-0 series lead, a stranglehold on the series, and historically speaking, teams that go up 2-0 usually end up with that big silver thing. They're in a good spot. The last team to win without winning the, one of the first two was Pittsburgh. Against Detroit, and that series probably looked a little bit like this one, in the sense that um, yeah. the team outplaying the other one, not winning, except at least Detroit got the 2 nothing lead. Oh, I, I don't know how Pittsburgh are, are up. <laughs> I've given up trying to make sense of their playoff run. Because I, I fundamentally think the out of the 120 minutes that have been played in this particular series, they've played maybe 20 good minutes max. At the most. Yet, with the talent they've got, they've somehow managed to make that a win. So, whatever. Yeah, so... I think our setup for today will be we'll cover off game one and then flow it right into game two. And, of course, we'll have overall thoughts that bleed into wherever. <laughs> so game one, uh, what was your initial? I thought it was pretty bad <laughs> if you're um, on the Penguin side of things. For, for, for me, it's weird watching both games one and two on delay. So I sort of follow it whilst I'm at work on Twitter and I, I, I get the advantage, I suppose, of trying to look out for things that all you guys are watching live. And the biggest thing I was concerned about was the quality of the game, because that was the one thing that came through from Twitter was it wasn't particularly great hockey to watch, but I didn't find the pace of the game too bad. I found the lack of calls extremely frustrating in game one, and it's like they overcompensated in game two, but all the calls that they made in game two were there in game one, so they just didn't call them. I didn't find, I suppose maybe because you know your team's won 5-3, you don't find the game that particularly bad. I mean, I'll watch game, I'll watch game three live on Sunday morning here, and I could have a completely different opinion of how it went. But game one, to me, wasn't that bad. I, th I, I thought it was a dumpster fire as far as Pittsburgh's ability to break out. They're, they were like a house team playing a travel team, and they were afraid to have the puck. So what do you do? You just fire it as Drop. hard as you can yeah. up the boards. And Nashville's like, okay, I guess we'll just play our top four defensemen pretty much the whole game, which they did because the bottom pairing only had nine minutes or somewhere around there. And they just pinched and pinched and pinched and pinched and kept the puck in for lengths of time. Pittsburgh not getting controlled exits is not good for their forwards. No. Forwards are their strength. But it was pretty much overall neutered in the flow of the game but man it, this the theme of this playoff run is that shit don't matter to the penguins because they just score goals and the few chances they get 
<laughs> well, I should I should revise that a little bit. They've at times in this playoff shown they can generate scoring chances and trade them equally or even have an advantage with them in the prior three series. Columbus had a possession advantage. Pittsburgh still was winning the high danger and all that. Uh, Washington, uh, they were losing that battle, but still generating high event totals. Ottawa, they started looking like they did last year. This series, they're getting crushed from a volume standpoint and quality standpoint. And the elephant in the room is uh, goaltending. Well, it's uh, it's interesting being a, a Penguins fan and being on the reverse of this for a change. Usually, it's, and, <laughs> yeah, and twenty ten to thirteen, man. I tell yeah. you that this was the opposite. It's nice to um, be on the opposite side of that for a change. It sounds so harsh saying that, but it's the reality. If you you look at what Pekarene has done in in these two games, and I can't remember what the who sent the tweet out, but it was a brilliant tweet. Just Showing the the wonderful um, fun slide that Pecorino's save percentage has been on round after round, it just keeps going down and down, and it's just it's bad. It's one of those things where I thought Pecker would be the reason they wouldn't get this far. The fact that they've got this far now, and he could be the reason that they get rolled over. Look, who knows? They could come away. It could be two two after next Tuesday. Who knows? Well, I mean. It very well could be if Matt Murray doesn't stand on his head because the way this series has transpired to this point points to a Predators team that's playing really good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's covered up some severe breakdowns that this team, you know, in, in all right probably should have had more than one goal scored against them in this particular game. And you, you do sit there and... And shake your head at the different ways that Penguins have been able to actually win games within series and then win series full stop. So they have uh, players that are really forward players that are really good with time and space, and they're not generating a lot of time and space, which is why they're not as dominant as last year's playoff team. And they're shoot, they have a high shooting percentage. I think what is Gensel have twelve goals on like forty nine shots or something like that. I think the team's shooting at 10.8. Okay, so, I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, if that falls off for them in the, you know, what is it, five games to the left, then they're probably going to lose because they don't get a high enough volume of shots to make up for the drop-off in shooting percentage. But, I mean, Jake Gensel went from being cold to hot very quickly all of a sudden in this playoffs. Well, that's, that's how it goes. Yep. Good shooters. He was on the cusp of being a healthy scratch. Instead, scoring the game-winning goal in both games one and two. And scored twice in game two. But, you know, game one, you had the, the catfish thing, which it took on a <laughs> life of its own. That was disgusting. <laughs> Freaking guts all over the ice. That's a big effort to do what that guy did to even bother and, to do it. And uh, Sean, I thought Sean Gentile of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette had the best piece on it. I don't think there was any need to read anybody else's about it. He gave the breakdown of how and why that it happened. Um, so you had the catfish story, because there's literally a catfish thrown on the ice. But um, 
the flip side of that is uh, I think the Predators have been catfished. Um, they, they thought they had a consummate goaltender, and they, they don't. No, no. And you, Nick Mercadante has done some good stuff on, on Pekka. Um, it's not like he's jumping all over him yet just because he's been bad. He's doing it because that's what Nick was expecting, basically. And Steve Birch also has highlighted Pekka's high danger save percentage history. Yeah, it's not pretty. No, it's not. And that's the larger sample. That's who he is. Now, it does not take away his brilliance against Chicago. He was great nope. against St. Louis, and he was plenty mm. good enough against Anaheim. But this is all-time bad. Game one was, what, 626 was the save percentage? All of Fleury's meltdowns were never that low. No, if you, if you compare the two, Fleury technically gave them a chance to win. <laughs> right? That's crazy to say. And then it yesterday really was, is. what, 778 or whatever it was? 779? It's some, below 8. Look, it's, it's really funny. You look at what happened in Game 1 and you look what happened in Game 2. And in Game 1, you could, you know, let a couple of things slide in regards to what happened to Pekka. But basically, it all happened again in Game 2. Like... The goal that Gensel scored to start, you know, well, to get Pittsburgh back in at 1-1, that should never have got through. That's a... I honestly feel like I'm just watching Fleury from the other side of the fence for a change. Because you see some of these goals that go in, and it's like, dude, you're a professional. That shouldn't go in. Like, that Gensel one should not have snuck in. At all. And same same with the Wilson goal. If Pekka was actually calm and an economy of movement sort of a goalie, his pads don't separate well, for that puck to squeak through. I can them. see the pad separating, pushing off, but where's the stick? Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, He's all over the place on that. And then you look at Gensel's rebound goal. Brutal. You have to... You have to like, who was it? I think Brian it was, Rust is shooting that. I mean, come on. Yeah, you could just, even if you just plonk the rebound in front of you, you at least know what's coming. You can't let it go off to the other side of the ice where you have to turn your entire body and hope that you get across. Like, I'm no goalie, but you just think about it in regards to human reaction. Put it where you can see it so you can at least react, not where he dumped it. I mean, still a great shot from from Gensel. He still had to nail it, but... It was just a baffling rebound 10 seconds into the third period. Not good. Talk about just changing the dynamic of the game right off the bat. Yossi pinches, loses the pinch off the opening faceoff and creates a situation where Penguins, who have stunk at getting controlled entries, and you gift them one. Now, mind you, you just documented. Rene put that in a bad spot. That should have been a harmless play. He could have just pushed it to the court, like to the corner that the shot came from, but no, he wanted. He kicked it out that way. He wanted the puck to go out there. That I think is the thing that bothered me so much about that particular rebound is that, you know, most goalies these days are pretty controlled with what they do with their 
with their pads, particularly on those sorts of shots, because they know that they're a, a, a pass off a shot, really. They're not really shooting to score. And yet he still kicked it where he kicked it. That's the thing that just, I don't know. And then I, the Malkin shot was unreal. But That just piles on at that point, doesn't it? If you're going to do the other, you better get that. Yeah, that's all. But again, I, I don't know if that's considered a high-danger shot. In my mind, Malkin shooting unabated from there is a high-danger shot. Yeah, but there's got to be a delineation at some point, doesn't there, in regards to whether it is or it isn't. And I, I would assume from where he shot from, it's probably a medium. Yeah, probably. But you look at who the person was with it, and you go, well, that's a high day. And, and we won't know, because, um, uh, unfortunately, Corsica is down. Oh, poor old Mr. Many Elk. Um, should be up by next season, but um, selfishly right now, um, killing me. <laughs> well, me as well. Things, uh, don't get me wrong, there are other uh, good sites, but... Manny's is kind of a one-stop shop to where you have other sites which are kind of like boutiques that specialize in a certain something, uh, whereas uh, Corsica was, I could pretty much get a lot of it. The thing that was great I, with I'm struggling with high danger save percentage right now. I don't know where the, <laughs> to find that. The thing that's handy with the way the playoffs have gone is that the, without having to look at the numbers, you know that Murray's high danger save percentage is rolling a little bit better than Peckers at the moment. Yeah, no, yeah. It, Murray leads the playoffs and save percentage now, 943. So the Penguins have the top point. Malkin, 26. Top goals. Gensel, 12. And save percentage. 943, and that is how you overcome being a crappy team at even strength. I mean, look at it. You look at it in that sense, and you go, it's a pretty well constructed roster when you think about it. They're getting absolutely ridden into the round possession wise, yet they've got a goalie that's handling the high volume of shots and high danger shots at that. It's, um, it must be so frustrating if you're a. A fan of a different team. Yeah, this is just uh, PDO running wild. Yeah, and they're they're riding it while they can. They don't. I don't think they have the capacity with the way the roster is currently constructed due to injuries to change this this particular possession issue that they've got. I don't think they have it in them against this this Predators team. So, you know, it's it's been a long, what, couple months as a writer for this team because, man, Logic, this is just flying in the face of it. Well, Logic dictates that it really should be freaking Washington in this series. That's what Logic dictates. But, but I mean, this that, that is also it. why it's small samples can be yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Because they've bucked it the whole way through here. <laughs> um, I didn't think that... <clears throat> I think the Penguins tried to do a little better on their exits in Game 2. I don't think they were highly successful doing it. Um, man, they got... 
that Ali Mata problem keeps popping up. And that's not to say he doesn't have good moments. When you play 20-something minutes a game, every game, you're going to have some of them. Uh, I don't know. Ron Hainty might push that. <laughs> he had an assist on the game-winning goal off that face-off. So, where he yeah, chipped yeah, it against yeah. the boards and Yossi pinched. But, yeah, Mata. You know, here's... All I can think of when I see him get walked like that is that Derek Pouliot would have been sent to the ECHL on that same play. Yeah. And one guy got Matt Niskin in a bottom pairing role to elevate status for a while. And then has done nothing since. Now, here's the stupid fucking caveat that we have to put in every time we talk about Mata. He's had cancer. He's had thyroid. That would be the cancer. He's had injuries, mumps, anything else we're missing? No, I think you've pretty much nailed it all off. But at what point... That all comes with it. it, Correct. At what point is it like, okay, well, those things happened, and his play has not been great. What are we doing? And for me, the answer is easy. You you look to trade him while he still has value this offseason. I was talking about that last summer. Do you do that going, well, we've got to pay Schultz, and Schultz will replace his cap, and trust that you're going to be able to have Pouliot come into the lineup and actually uh, be like I don't think crew? even be on the team. Well, I think that's just... Okay, this is a conversation to have later in the year. No, but, but I'm just saying... I'm watching no, I think this playoff I, run, and there's nothing there. Speed's not there. Uh, poise is not there. Uh, when the, when he does join the play and there's a little bit of time and space, he can do some a little bit, but... Come on. Just send him away for Truba. He's cost-controlled. That's what Winnipeg wants. <laughs> <laughs> we really are having the same June-July conversations. Um, Pretty much. Not good. <laughs> but I thought his play was unimpressive. And quite frankly, the D is in general just... Pittsburgh could attempt to improve their exits if they would make some personnel decisions differently. I think Strait needs to get into the lineup. I don't think the coach is willing to do that now. I think he's pretty set. Unless somebody gets hurt back there, I don't think he's changing any of that back six. No, but this extends to the forwards as well. They need Haglund's speed. I don't, I, he, he hasn't had a great year. What does he have, six goals on the year or something like that? We're not talking about... 2015-16 Hagelin that came from Anaheim and set the world on fire. But we're also not talking about Connor or Carter Rowney, who yeah. had a three-point game and the other, I think, 16 of them this playoffs. He has zero points. Yeah, I have a... F- it's one of those things where I think if Wilson hadn't got lucky and scored, I actually think Rowney would have stayed and Wilson would have got pulled. Probably, so, and that's that's not what I would want either. No, but I, I have a feeling that that's what would have happened, and at least now it looks as though Hagelin will get in. I think Hagelin will play, we'll say, day your time, um, purely because and I think they Brownie need at least come out. Yep, I, I don't think you're wrong. If it ends up being you play Cullen, Hornquist, and um, Hagelin together, so be it. 
mean, he's a yeah, 46% possession player. It's not like he's doing other things. You got lightning in a bottle in a big game, and good. This, this, I, I, I think lineup decisions are one of the hardest things for coaches to get right because you, everyone's human. You fall in love with players at certain times of stuff that they do for you, and you want to reward the player for that. At what point do you have to get there and go? No, I've got to. I've got to do what's right by the team, not right by the player, and take this guy out. And I don't think that would be an easy decision for any coach, let alone at something at this level with the stakes as high as they are. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's an every coach thing. Mike Pabcock struggles with this at times, and he's considered the best. Yeah. I mean, if he can't if he can't disassociate himself from those sorts of feelings, what hope of mere mortals got of being able to do that? Although, if Sullivan wins this cup, he might go past being a mortal and be immortal already in Pittsburgh Wall. Yeah, no doubt. And why not back to back coach? Yeah, it's kind of they haven't had that, and they've had a back to back cup, but it was uh, Bob. Got a back to back coach, unfortunately, poor old Badger. And then Bowman took over, so. Uh, yeah, that I think you just, and also to further talk about coaching and, and setting up the lineup, they've been spreading the talent, I think, a little bit on the lines. I mean, evidently, with Gensel playing third and fourth line minutes the last few games, they, they did bump him up. I kind of think you got to put Gensel and Shiri with Sid, and I would. I think they will. Yeah, they bump Shiri down and left Russ there, and I, Russ and Crosby. I'm not a big. I think that, I think you'll end up with this, they'll end up with the top six you want game three. I reckon. I reckon that's what they'll do. They'll just ride them. They'll actually ride them. And for I game leave, three, I would leave Kunitz where he is, next to. Malkin and Kessel. Yep. And I would come strong with two forward lines because they're not generating shit. Nope. you got to put your eggs in the basket. And and let's be honest, Nashville's forwards aren't great. If you put them all in the one basket for game three and you win it, you've got four chances to win the thing. And that's why I think they, they, that's why I would hope they would load up when they get the chance. And in Kunitz, this is a great development. For the entire playoffs, he has 53.58 shot attempt percentage. That leads all Penguins forward. So possession-wise, best Penguins forward. Seven points in the last three games. He very much deserves the promotion. Yep. So. I just... If there's ever a time that you need to load up and go for it, like really ride your stars, get play them 21, 22 minutes for the night, would be now. If you can get there and get up, buddy, three zip on Nashville, this team hasn't lost four games all year, I don't think. Why the hell wouldn't you, you load up then? If that means that you're knackered for game four and you can't win game four, you get two days off to go home and play game five. Well, they've got and do something to help them. The, the time off right now, because we're recording on a Thursday, Friday would be a normal every other day, but it's Saturday, the game. That's three days off. 
Penguins do have some... Everybody has injuries, but... You know, Haglund's foot, Hornquist's hand. I'm sure a few other guys are dinged up. Uh, Colin Wilson should be back in the lineup for Nashville. You would hope so. Cody McLeod, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, that was just... You're it. You know, you play that guy in moments in big leverage situation. What, what do you want? Couldn't even prevent himself from high sticking a guy while he went to the net. Like how careless. Well, he should have had two minutes for goaltender interference before anyway. He didn't trip on daily skate. No, he's thinks he's well. Apparently, he is clever. <laughs> Got away with it. But that's the officiating. Like, you you referenced it earlier. It's not biased. It's incompetent. That's pretty much it. Yeah. By by no way am I saying Pittsburgh got robbed with the officials at all. I think both teams get utterly frustrated. Fans get frustrated. And the quality of the game dies. And that was the problem with the Ottawa series, was that because they decided to call nothing, the hockey was shit. Like, it was shitty hockey to watch. And, And... or you get the exception of game of game seven, but even that still had its moments of just grind the game into the ground. And it's like, where's the where's the fun in that? You know, I'm all for physical play. And I'm, yeah. It took four cross checks on Cullen to get called like four legit minor infractions, and then Cullen. Oh, what cheery! And then Cullen blew him up. That was arguably interference. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. It, like. Jesus. I don't I don't understand. I don't think we ever will. Like until there's a complete regime change due to the concussion stuff, when Batman's gone, Colin hopefully Campbell. whoever Well whoever comes in next needs to sweep all of the old gorillas out, bring it in and just change the sort of game that you're gonna watch. That's all all as a fan you can hope for is that whoever becomes the next Batman changes everybody that's underneath him that has a say on what goes on on the ice and changes what we see as a product. I think... Um, good luck with that. This is what I think. <laughs> I reckon Bill Daly will get the job next anyway, and I don't think he will change anything because the owners won't want him to. So, like you said, good luck. So, what does Nashville got to do here? You could, Have they we, got we, we, stopped some shots? That's pretty much it. <clears throat> yeah, it seems to be the theme. I think Japers really think put up a, a tweet that showed... That was brilliant. ...regular was season <laughs> goaltending for each team, and then what the goaltending has been versus Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and it's like, oh boy. Hasn't been good? No, it's not been pretty... Craig yeah, Anderson a... held his own. He was the only one of the four rounds that has. But it shows you that Pittsburgh just got so many more, so, such a larger volume of shots than they did against, so far, the other three teams. It's the only, only... If they if Anderson had that save percentage with the volume of shots that Holtby faced, Ottawa replied Nashville. I think... Th- LaViolette's got to make the goaltending change. Like, Pecorine is, those... is one of the core Nashville guys. You know what I mean? 
Yep. Like, like just like how Flurry is quote unquote a core penguin, uh, Mike Sullivan's like fuck that noise. I'm playing the better guy. They got to do the same. Hell, they did it with their longtime captain. They're like, uh, yeah, we're gonna trade him for a better player. And look, look where it's gotten them. Yeah. So now you're asking, you're asking. Uh, I'm assuming that Laviolette had some, well, at least was had knowledge of the trade happening. But you're asking David Poyle to go down to the coach and go, "Hey, dude, come on." Um, have a real I don't think about this, this isn't lost on Laviolette. I realize that he had to do the goaltending carousel when the Flyers played Chicago. And he had to do Did it they with have four um, goalies well. that had a win in that playoff run? Something crazy like that. Look, Boucher, he had to... Le- Leighton, uh, I don't know the other ones off the top of my head. But but he had to do it in Carolina as well. He had to move away from Gerber and give it to Ken Ward. Oh, that ha- yes. That happened good, early. Good, good, uh, good poll there. So, you guys not even at 800. He looks like shit. The uh, the backup is competent. 927 even straight save percentage the last two years. Pecorine, history of being a bad high danger save percentage goaltender. Now, full disclosure, I can't look up uh, Saros. Yeah. I can't look up Saros' high danger numbers right now uh, for the reason we stated earlier, but I have his... Is even strength save percentage is is plenty good. This was always the this was always my concern with Nashville, in that you know I trust those that are smarter than me in regards to goalie techniques and stuff like that. And um, I'll refer back to, to Nick Mercadante again. It's it's one of those things where Peck is not terrible, but He's a little bit flurry-like in regards to he gets his average save percentage from those mountain peaks and those deep valleys. Uh, you know and, what it is? He's a big goalie and shots hit him from far out, but he's not skilled. He's so never when, had to be. Well, he does when the puck gets closer to him, and he's not. But he's, he's never been under the microscope for that to really be tested. Like, you look at most of the media don't pay attention to what his high danger save percentage is. They just see the average that he's got over the year. And if you do a rolling 10-game average, you don't see those big jumps and those big drops. You don't with Fleury. Like, if you do a five-game rolling average, you start to see those kinds of peaks and troughs, and you go, well, hang on, what's going on here? But I just don't feel like most of the mainstream media have bothered to do that with Renault. They haven't gone and actually had a look to see... The mainstream media how... still uses goals against average and goals against... No, I, get, I get that, though. But when you're sitting there and they're trying to explain away how the hell is Renault so bad right now, it's not that he's that bad. This is just him coming back down to earth to his career average. But because his save percentage at the moment is so goddamn high... This is such a big off-kilter balance to try and level that out. He's just falling back to who he is. If he gets to seven games, he might give you one of those freaking earlier-in-the-playoff games. That's because anybody can do that. Correct. But this isn't out of character for Renee. This is the thing that frustrates me. He's been on a magnificent run for, you know, basically two months. Yeah, any any goalie can get on a 15-game run. It's just... We have no ability to predict when that's going to be. 
No, it just happened only, to be the playoffs this year for him. Yeah, you only pay the only pay the big bucks to the guys that you can rely on, and they pay him big bucks, and you can't legitimately rely on him. It's like it's the argument with the Fleury contract. You use the exact same argument with that. It, it, it works exactly the same way. But I'm surprised that he's been this bad statistically. But what we've seen on the ice is about what I expected. Um, is there anything else about games one and two that uh, we've, you think we've missed here? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of common themes that have you know we're stealing from the other series because that's how the penguins have been playing and as a fan who gives a shit this is a fun ride uh breaking this down you just kind of be like shrug your shoulders and "Eh, well small samples what are you gonna do Um, i i can i see the vial building from twitter from people outside of the the pittsburgh fandom (laughs) it's just like what the fuck with this team and and i don't blame them i totally get it uh, but you know what? What can you do? They, As a they're podcast, shooting the puck into the net a lot. We're all process, process, process here on the podcast. But whatever process, process, process they're thinking they're doing that's working, you can't rely on it to to win. And look, to be honest, they've been on the negative side of possession so far in three out of four series. Um. The best they looked was the conference finals, and that took them seven games to get to and that. They're not the off to a good start this series. They're getting pounded. They're not. Yet they're still up freaking two zip in the series and have managed to score a bucket load of goals. So the bonus you have when you when you have talent on your roster, you can overcome some of this stuff in short spurts. But if you got there and you loaded up on garbage players like LaPerriere and Adams and those sorts of players, this isn't possible. You can't do you can't do this with the Cody McLeod in the lineup. You just can't. There's no need there's for not, that. There must there's gotta be a, a aren't they Milwaukee? Yeah. Well that's there's where gotta, um, there's gotta be something there that's better than that. Something. And you got Zollner Chuck in the mix too. But this this is kind of this is kind of leads to that point. It's like if you have a roster full of talent, even when you get down to the end of the roster, there's still enough skill out there for them to accidentally pop the puck in the net off somebody else's shin. You just don't see that happen often enough with the traditional, you know, big thuggy sort of a guy. It's it's just they've given themselves every opportunity to make the most of the few chances that they actually are getting. So. Well, we don't want to beat this horse into a. Sorry. I mean, we don't want to beat the horse into looking like that catfish the other night. Um, <laughs> what? You have any thoughts on Con Smythe favorites? I, I I know who mine is. Mine's Gino. Okay. No, that was boring. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you can I, you can make the argument that Matt Murray, if he wins all of these games for the sake whatever, I don't think he can because people no, want he, to throw Flurry into that, and yes, um, he he was he rightfully deserves credit for his two rounds where he was great. Yep. yep. But but you you can't. Neither Penguins goalie deserves the award. And the thing that's combining it, like I saw today, that's 
I'm, I'm no, like, you can't do the that. Only, the the only I, way you want to to argue for combine is because you want to shoehorn flurry into this narrative as much as possible. Correct. Um, it is funny that if they do win this thing, Fleury will have won more games than Murray to get to this total of 16 wins. It'll be 9-7. And you know what? Rutherford's quote-unquote gamble, which, you know, my personal thought is he couldn't find an offer. Um, but it, nope. it's played out um, script, very perfect. Yep. And... You know, Flurry's numbers aren't consummate worthy anyways. He's in the middle no, of the not. pack for save percentage, uh, depending on if you want to look at even strength or high danger, he's one of the lowest. Not yeah, quite not yeah. quite Pecorine. Actually, Rene might be ahead of him, but again, I can't look it up right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, eliminate the goalies right off the bat. Well then, if if that's the case, it's it's Gino or freaking Eric Carlson. If you're gonna, if we're gonna get there and look at it that way, that's nah, the problem. You're not gonna get a non-finalist there. I know that. So that that's why I said Gino at the start. We've just made this a longer conversation. Said, um, than had well, Gino's leading the league in points. He does so much on the ice as far as exits and entry. Like, you know, watch him. He wanted. Forget stats. You want to use your eye test? Fine. Gino's a great example. Look at him go. Um, yeah. Sid has a puncher's chance if, if for some reason, he just he'll need like a back-to-back hat trick clinching kind of performance to overtake Gino. Look, if he overtakes Gino, I win this. He's <laughs> two teammates. He's screwed over for the consmite two years in a row. Well. And then now you have a lot of talk with, with Gensel leading the, the playoffs and goals. And Scott Cullen literally just tweeted out of TSN. People are talking about Gensel's qualifications. And obviously the goals is clearly what drives that discussion. And that seems to be like a logical starting point for me. But Gensel's possession has not been great. Uh, he's been demoted to bottom six role, and according to Mr. Cullen, has there ever been a Smythe winner on the ice for most goals against? Gensel leads right now. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, generation has been great for him, but also suppression not so hot. I, and quite frankly, you know, I don't want to pile on Gensel. I think he's been great, and he's one of my players i like the most on the team but this is gino's award as far as i'm concerned if if the penguins do win if the predators win what do you do arena was the guy yeah well you need something superhuman from um from forsberg or suban really so that that's what it will take like if, if they go with Rene in game three, Rene has to basically pitch a shutout so the team trusts him again because they look shattered after the... Like, I know they're saying it's our fault, all this sort of stuff, but they looked crushed as a team when they got to 4-1. 5-1, almost, if not for well, the fucking millimeters that nobody should give actually, a shit okay. about. So, speak, speaking of that... That's two calls that have been called back now, and it's like which one? One was, each team. 
Yeah, and this is sort of my point. Which one had the bigger effect on the series? Well, I say the well, first. Well, obviously it's the Subban one. Yeah. But... So this is the problem with the argument of, oh, it's one each, isn't it? It's like, well, no, it's not. Fucking Nashville had a chance to silence the crowd. We're dominating the well, game anyway. all that aside, you can... I would, I would cut all that out of the conversation and just... Do we really care about a millimeter here? Is it really Correct, affecting the spirit of the play? The point of that rule is so Danny Briere doesn't go on a on a ten feet cheating breakaway, like the one from the twenty twelve playoff series against Pittsburgh. That's what they're trying to thought they would eliminate. But let's be honest, that's not a common thing, and it sucks when it happens. But we don't need to grind the game to a halt so these officials can go look at a fucking Sega Game Gear and hopefully the batteries don't die on it. And for a play that doesn't. In a, in a league starved for goals, taking goals off the board because a, a, a tip of a skate was enough. And the best solution that I've seen to this, other than just saying fuck it with these replays, don't you don't need to be in contact with the ice. If, if like part of the body is over the blue line backwards, it's good. You don't need to yeah. ground it, is what I'm saying. Uh- it seems it, that would be a, seems, like a compromise of this that I could get down with. I don't want the replays at all. I think the officials generally do a pretty good job with offsides. That's one of the areas where I'm okay with that they do. Yeah. It's just so yeah. stupid. It is so fucking stupid. I hate it. Uh, yep. No, it's annoying. It's it's frustrating as a fan to see that happen. But, you know, what do you do? This best sport, shittiest league. <laughs> We've beaten this horse quite a few times, and I'm sure I'll do it again. Um, so, uh, anything, I was going to say, anything outside of the uh, playoffs you want to discuss? Yeah, uh, I think we'll just quickly touch on a few things. Uh, you want to start with Washington? And... Washington GM comes out says some good things and, and some interesting things. Uh, not looking to make any major changes. Good. Good, because I know some people will say, well, they can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and get at some point you have to move on. I do agree. I just don't think the 2017-18 season is the one that to you... do that with. I think you you go at it at least one more time because, you know, Starting over right now, like what, what's that going to get him? The issue you've got is starting over right now will be really, really hard because, well, you know what? If they did decide to start over right now, so say they, they just got rid of everybody and they got a whole heap of young assets and draft picks back, they're in a really hard division. They'd fall to the bottom for the first round draft pick quite quickly if they were crazy enough to do it. But, but you still want to hit on it. Are they really going to be bottom five? Well, no. This is the thing, though. You'd have to trade Holtby, you'd have to trade Ovechkin, and you'd have to trade um, Backstrom. You trade all of those three, and, and you're off to the bottom. Backstrom's on a great contract, though. You know what I mean? Like, no, but this is the thing. Like, they're the, they're the players you have to move on, right? To do this. So I'm in the same. I'm on the bed. I'm on the same side of the bed of do not 
do this. Do not pull it down now. There's no point because you, you just said it. Backstrom's on a great contract. Oshie will probably come back at a reasonable clip. I don't think it'll be reasonable. I think they're going to pay for that shooting percentage. Well, then, naughty, naughty. But it's still okay in the short term. It'll be when they want to try and pull it all apart, will they be able to offload him? Yeah. If it came to it, back, you're talking about Backstrom or Oshie? Yeah. I don't know, Oshie, if, when it comes to, you know, paying for that shooting percentage, like you said, how are they going to go about offloading him later on? That's the the shitty part. But they've, with Orlov, Schmidt, Carlson, and Niskanen, they, they have a very solid core of defensemen. Well, they do. Yep, they can they let Alsner do. go. I, I don't, like, the Orpik thing's clearly going to hurt him. But, yep. um... Even if Oshie goes away, you still got Burakovsky to step up into a larger role. Uh, losing Justin Williams will be an interesting to see how they. But they have. Uh, I know what I was gonna. Why I wanted to bring this. Jacob Vrana, right? Is that their prospect? That's very good. Yes. Yep. In the quotes, ah oh, man, I'm gonna have to go through my favorites and find it. But the quotes were just. <laughs> um, they made me upset. They were basically. Well, he's got the, the the skill, the puck skill, and the speed, and the offense, but he needs to work on his overall game. And it's like, oh, so he's got all the hard things, but there you go, running Brooks Orpik out there every fucking night. He does nothing well, but he's defensive oriented, so he gets a pass. Yeah. Why, why? Why is evaluation skewed towards the boring shit players that get buried in their own end? But this um, talented guy who is only offensive and not defensive it can't can't be given a chance compared to the guy who's supposedly defensive, doesn't do that well, and adds nothing offensively. That is the most maddening part about evaluation in this league for me. Yeah, it's because it's a defensive game, and if it looks like you're working hard defensively, then you're less of a risk to do something wrong. Coaches don't like like it when they're not in control. And skilled players do stuff they can't do, they can't understand. So it's like, if I can't control it, I don't want them out there. And until they can trust them in the defensive zone, they don't want to take that risk. I hate it. It would be great if coaches were were more about trying to score rather than not get scored on. But that's not how a, a league that has scoring so low and goals are at such a premium think. If we were getting six, seven games all the time, I bet you any money coaches would flip a switch and go, shit, we just have to outscore the other team. We're not going to be able to stop them from scoring, so let's try to outscore them. And that's not how this league works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's maddening. You're absolutely right. It's completely fucking maddening. I think that that player is going to be a part of their... Jacob Verona is who I'm talking about. Is going to be yes. the guy that can fill a, a Williams or a potentially an Oshie spot. Like That's one of their better prospects it's time to give him a, a serious look whether or not you have reservations about his shot suppression which apparently don't apply to <laughs> everybody on yep. the roster hey i was sort of hoping that somebody by the name of nathan walker might get up but he keeps getting hurt and he's an rfa now so he might go somewhere else because he's the first aussie to have got drafted oh, okay. into the NHL. so i always sort of tried to keep a quiet eye on on Walker and see how he goes, but as of yet, he's not been able to crack crack the lineup. Pretty hard lineup to crack, though. 
And then uh, it's probably the most interesting. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'll root for your Aussie guy. <laughs> the most interesting part of why I think we brought Washington up in the first place was the fact that the Ovechkin trade stuff was not dismissed. It was kind of leaving a door open kind of thing. And I think that's the proper thing for them. Don't actively shop him, but if someone wants to talk to you about it, yeah, you should consider what they're willing to give you. It's only down from here. Yeah, and you've just you just got to hope that it's a situation that... So how do you handle it if you're the GM? You know Ovi's got final say on anything that happens, right? Ovi might want so, out. Yeah, no. So like you said, you don't openly shop. You know, you don't basically tell him we want you to fuck off. But you get there and you get a great deal back. It's like it obviously has to sit somewhere where he wants to go for whatever reason it might be. The problem it's is, tough, tough he, gig, his, his, if he's going to leave, he's going to want I, – I truly believe he, he wants a Stanley Cup bad. So it's going to yeah. have to go to a team that, you know, has that at least somewhat on the radar. But the $9.5 million is a real thing. And I'll say this. It is for four more years. That seems like a long time, but he's 30, 34. He's always going to have that shot. He's always going to pump in at least 20 goals a year. Power play, driving a lot of that. So it's not like the worst contract in the league. It's it's going to consistently look worse as the years go. So it's going to be everybody knew that when it was signed. Everybody knew that when it was signed. That and you know that's something that I'm glad that that Leon. Leontis, or however the fuck you say his name, um, was happy to fork out for it. You know, it's just a shame that through those peak years he, he got robbed a couple of times by poor goaltending or hot goaltending from the other end. I'd keep him for 2017-18, and after that, I hey Vegas, what are you, what are you thinking? Vegas would love to have a star player only for three years. Yeah. And depending on how well they, depending on how well they go in this draft, how smart they are, and former GM, yeah, that would that'll help. He could be the thing that gets them into the playoffs. So I mean, that's an interesting situation because naturally, you'd be like, no, why the hell would you trade Alex Ovechkin? But it's worth a discussion. It's the same discussion I would have with Claude Giroux in Philly, the same discussion I would have with Carey Price, who's uh, up for a contract at age 30 and is going to get an eight-year contract. Is that really what you want? So there are some of these star players that it, it's not, you're not taking a shot at their ability. It's Does this make sense long-term? And yeah. You have to balance that between can we win now and for Washington, I think the answer is yes, you can <clears throat> still win now. Montreal, maybe if they had Subban. <laughs> um, but they're gonna, they could <laughs> lose Radulov, who was very good for them this year. Uh, the Flyers, I would definitely consider like a Giroux thing because they're not a win-now club. Not there, no. He's got one, two, three, four, five years left, and he's already shown even strength decline. They'd be wise to get out of that one. So, 
I would I would like to see Corey Schneider go from Jersey and have him totally tank out. But getting the number one draft pick this year on a player that is not a generational player, um, just I can't see Shiro pulling the pin on something like that. You got to sink, you got to drown before you can swim. So. Anything else? Um, no. It's it's sort of that time of year. You cover off on two games that were very similar. There's there's not a lot you can say, and there's not a lot really poking around at the moment. It'll all start cranking up pretty soon, though. I guess there's going to be some jersey changes. And the only reason <laughs> well, the only reason I bring that up is the Sabers are going back to royal blue, which I think is great. No, that is that is good. I should take back that whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, if nothing else, um, the the team that I see probably second most to Pittsburgh is going to look good again. It is a nice, it is a nice jersey that Sabers jersey, royal blue. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, we shall see if process catches up with results for Nashville. We will see what kind of goaltending changes they make, if any. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to feel good about themselves right now, being down 0-2, but I quite frankly think they've played really well. They, they have, if, if you're Nashville, you, you, you do have to trust the process, and whoever's in net, trust that they're going to be better than a 750 goalie. Give them 900 and they probably win these games. And 900 is not even average. No. <laughs> no, it's not. So, well, shall we do the house cleaning? Let's do it. Let's clean house. Patreon.com slash HockeyHurts. HockeyHurts.com. At Walshy66. At Hockey underscore Hurts. At Gunnar Stahl and hockeybuzz.com for my penguins articles i noticed that some of you took took us up on the offer to give us ratings on itunes and other uh thank you very much for those that didn't much appreciated if you do uh what's the schedule like is it saturday monday i think so so sunday tuesday for me i think we'll probably come back after game or maybe talking about a championship. I, I don't predict that, but if look, if it comes to the fact that it is over in four games, yes, we will definitely be doing a podcast around then. I think we uh, will probably aim for take them in two game chunks. Yep, that sounds about right. So that's it for us. Uh, Penguins up to nothing. We'll see where the series takes us. Thanks, guys. See ya.